So let me tell you about the uh, – before we just start uh, – actually, maybe I'll save it for the show. I'll save it for the show. I'll, that could be how we start the show. All right, guys. This is Linux Unplugged, episode 239 for March 6th, 2018. Welcome to Linux Unplugged, your weekly Linux talk show that's all over the world this week. My name is Chris. My name is Wes. Hello, Wes. I miss I miss being in the same studio with you. You know, I, I don't I don't get too. to watch you. You know, stare at you as you talk into. I mean, what? Uh, uh, no, that, that, that really definitely doesn't happen. That. We'll be re- no, no, reunited yeah. soon, but it's amazing <laughs> that this is working at all, and I'm very glad to be here. Yeah, yeah, it is. And we've got a great show. So we've got a couple of interesting things that I want to chew on today, like some big picture stuff. It does involve Microsoft and other companies and maybe Whoa. what your company is doing wrong in open source and how some of these other companies have figured it out, companies that used to battle it. Plus, we've got some interesting project updates, some weird things happening with Java Enterprise and uh, some Ubuntu news some other things, as well as uh, a few anecdotes from the road, Wes. So I think it's going to be, like, uh, a fun one. It's like the pre-scale storm now. Yeah, road road trip check-in. You know what's great about this is, uh, so this setup right now that we're doing, I'm connected to you through uh, a microphone, a USB interface, and a box running Chrome. That's Uh, so lean. uh, it was going to be it was going to be my XPS thirteen, but I ended up actually I'm on the you remember the old MacBook that you set oh, up running Arch. How could I forget? We've had yep. such a such a tender relationship. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. So I've got that in here, and so I have uh, that running Chrome and uh, connected to uh, a MiFi, and yeah, that's well, how you we sound talk great. Now. This is incredible. It, it's amazing what we can do in this modern day, and we haven't even turned this thing up to eleven because we have remote controls into the studio, so that way I can do things like bring in the mumble room. Time appropriate greetings, mumble room. What's up? Hey, hey, hey. Woo. That was amazing. Woo. That was good that was job. Good. That was really good. Yeah. Was, you guys are great. on point. You know, uh, Wes, I, I'm, I'm kind of missing out right now. Levi and Hadia are out expo- exploring Sacramento as I record. Well, that That's sounds way better. Right yeah, I'm maybe down. I'll just we're, we're jump out of the studio, go join them, and uh, good luck yeah, on your own, Chris. I, they're like, well, uh, see you later. I'm like, what? And we're going to go explore the capital. She got an Uber, and uh, they're out walking around Sacramento. While I'm inside the RV, and it is surrounded by wasps. Down in California, apparently there's bees already. And they're, like, crawling all over my mirrors trying to get in while I do this, while I do this show. That's my situation. Oh, okay. Wow. Yikes. We'll stay Sur- safe now. I'm surrounded by wasps. I'm so sorry. I, I, I have no choice but to just sit here, hunker down, and podcast. So that's what we'll be doing. Well, at least you have us to join you in your suffering. So we're going to start with a couple of big meta topics that I think might come up later on in the show. First one doesn't really have anything to do with Linux other than, well, we're going to get to it in a roundabout way. Jeff Bezos has spent $42 million building a clock that will run for 10,000 years. This is part of the Long Now Foundation. It was created in in 1996 in the hopes to provide a counterpoint to today's accelerating culture and help make long-term thinking more common. One of its initiatives is the Clock of the Long Now, which is designed to run for 10 millennia without any need for human intervention. And Bezos took interest in it six years ago and has invested $42 million. Think about trying to build a system that could last... 10 millennia without any human intervention. You do that with Linux, right? <laughs> I mean, that, I, I, I certainly wouldn't try to do it with Windows. 
<laughs> I suppose not. The heart of the clock is a titanium pendulum that beats once every 10 seconds. Now, the falling weight that powers the clock can be wound by hand, but it is otherwise kept wound by solar power. Sunlight shines into an aperture in the 500-foot deep chamber in which the clock sits. Oh, that's great. It then strikes the air-filled cylinder. The expansion of the cylinder provides enough energy to lift the falling weight slightly and also provide some correction for solar noon timing. And one key feature of the clock, and this is kind of weird if you think about it, the displays are not active until a human enters the clock chamber and fully winds the mechanism. Interesting. So it's still keeping time, but it doesn't display time until there's a human there to observe it. But yet it's, it's built to last 10 millennia without humans, but if there's no human there to observe it, it never displays the time. Just sits there in silence, displaying nothing, that's, keeping time. That's, that's so weird. That is so weird. And he spent $42 million on this. What do you think? Ten millennia, forty-two million. You think that like uh, dollars per millennia is a pretty good deal for this, or no? Well, actually, I mean, it, it kind of does seem like it's a decent deal, doesn't it? I, I got to be honest with you, Wes. <laughs> it does actually seem also, pretty. Also, I legit. imagine the people designing this have had a lot of fun. It seems like a great project, um, just in that it's weird and kind of interesting. So it's neat that the um, you know crazy rich can fund one-off projects like this. Now, I. Uh, I know that this isn't going to appeal to you, but some of you out there are on Windows. Now, don't deny it. I know it's true. I've seen the download numbers. A good number of you are on Windows, and it just may be getting a little bit easier to run Ubuntu. We talked about this on Linux Action News, and now with only three mouse clicks once this is completed, you'll be able to get an Ubuntu VM that offers full clipboard integration, drive redirection, and enhanced display performance. Right there, three clicks in the Hyper-V gallery, boom, Ubuntu 18.04, ready to go. And some of the really cool stuff that they've done, and I, I don't know a lot about this, but they've worked with the open source XRDP project to bake in communication to Hyper-V's communication bus, which there's already like a socket that's been upstreamed to the Linux kernel to enable this communication so it goes from the kernel socket to the Hyper-V socket, and they they talk, well, XRDP to transmit the graphics, and it makes it a really fast interface and really low latency for the remote graphics of the VM, which are not actually remote, depending on how you're using it. Anyways, it, it, when you combine it with drive integration, clipboard integration, and XRDP integration over this HV hook or HV sock system, this is going to be a pretty compelling step up from the Windows subsystem for Linux on a Windows 10 machine. You know, you're sitting there, you're hacking away on something under the subsystem. Ah, screw this. This isn't enough. Well, now three clicks and you have this really hyper-integrated Ubuntu VM. What do you think about this, Wes? Is this the death knell for uh, VirtualBox on Windows? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I had, you know, I was going like, what does this mean for people switching from Windows to Linux? I, my brain's been racing with that. I hadn't thought about the competitors. Right. This is, uh, this is like home turf advantage. I, I also know a lot of people who haven't yet, you know, been able, very, for enterprise policy reasons or, or otherwise been really able to work the subsystem into their workflow, but are already using virtual machines. So it seems like this rolling out when it does will have an immediate impact there as well. I can also imagine developing, you know, as you're saying, in the subsystem, but then still having a fleet of, you know, development servers running locally in these VMs and be able to test there. I almost don't need a Linux laptop, and that's a little scary. 
Yeah, yeah. I, I, I mean, there's two ways yeah, to look at it. Scary, you're right. you're right. Yeah, I mean, it is. It is. It is. It could potentially mean less Linux switchers. That's definitely a possibility. But there's another way to look at it. It's possible that now more people will be using Linux. Yeah, the barrier to entry you know, now is a lot lower. They get hooked on the good sauce, right? And then you're like, why uh, am I running this in a virtual machine? First taste. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, once they get the first taste for free, right? And then they'll go out and buy... Um, How what? insidious. Yeah, no. Uh, also, awesome. speaking of this kind of stuff... Oh, does somebody else have something they want to add from... Go ahead, Mubble. So uh, I heard somebody by else the jump way, um, I think they just added Debian and Kali Linux support in the Windows Store as well. Yeah, that's what I was just going to mention, is Kali Linux is in there now um, as part of the subsystem, I guess. I'm not, Or is this part of the Hyper-V stuff? I don't really know. It's a subsystem um, thing. Hmm. And it doesn't have the hacking tools. Like, you have to install that separately. So, <laughs> I mean, I'm sure it's pretty easy it's to like do that. But thing on there. Yeah. I mean, so, so I don't got Gen 2. Wow. Well, well, this is uh, one. Uh, Kali Linux is one of those tools that uh, you know Windows administrators still end up using because it's right. just a really good tool to test yourself. And it has everything. It so, often it often comes with a lot of things pre-configured. Perhaps not in this case, but yeah. But if it has, but if it has scripts to, to set that stuff up, that's probably legit. Yeah, I could be legit. Yeah, I don't know. I'm, yeah, I'm not super it. jazzed up about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We all we're all kind of like man, man. It's good to see it, I'm, and it means more users for Kali. I, I but would they probably might just to... run it in one of those fancy new VMs anyway. Yeah, yeah, that's true. You could, you could if the, if that XRDP stuff uh, goes upstream, which Microsoft did submit it upstream, and the HV hook stuff uh, is already upstream and it's integrated into kernel four fifteen, then any distro could really take advantage of that. So yeah, you're right. That would probably be a great way to use Kali because then you would have the full Kali. Just trying to think if there's any network stuff that wouldn't work because of the virtualized card, because that could be a possibility. You would have to configure that depending on what you're trying to do. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah. And mm, I don't know, Wes. You know what? The only way to find out would be for you to get a Windows 10 machine and test it. I guess you're uh, you'll right. Have to. Oh. <laughs> um, you know, I want to take a moment and thank Ting. Why don't we do that right here? Go to linux.ting.com. I was really, really impressed yesterday when I sat down. I compared all the different carriers that I had with me. And the Ting CDMA was the fastest, but more importantly, the lowest latency. And sure enough, sure enough, here I am now in Sacramento, same thing. I would have sworn it would have been the GSM network. That's what I love about Ting is they have both, and I just turn these devices on when I'm traveling because it's $6 for the line. And so honestly, if you have a backup line or a data device you need to use occasionally or a phone that you can just be kind of savvy about using Wi-Fi, well, then $6 a month, that's nothing. That's nothing. Linux.ting.com is where you go to get started and you get $25 off a device. Or if you bring one that's compatible, just check their BYOD page, they'll give you $25 in service credit. Now, your average Ting bill is going to be around $23 all in, probably before Uncle Sam's cut. $23 for your minutes, your messages, and your megabytes, and the $6 for the line. So a $25 credit will probably pay for more than your first month. Because that's how Ting rolls. Linux.ting.com. Go there and then check out their blog post about comparing their their uh, Wi-Fi, their I mean their internet connection with Wi-Fi. So their LTE with Wi-Fi and the differences there. I was super impressed. I was just t- talking to Wes on the pre-show. I pulled up. I was getting twenty-two down. Even it got as high as twenty-eight up. Oh, and I was getting yeah. I know it was just those are some numbers. And, 
But, you know, the thing was that really rocked is I was getting around 18, 20, 15 millisecond ping time to the different servers. Yeah. And right now where I'm at, I'm getting uh, around 30 milliseconds, which is still really, really outrageously that great. That puts it in that territory where you start thinking about differently, right? It's not it's not just this shaky broad, you know, this shaky MiFi connection. Mm-hmm. It's a real first class internet connection. We can we can use it for broadcast, which exactly. is is great. In fact, I'm thinking about uh, when we get to the next story, I'm tempted to try turning up the broadcast quality another notch because I have it turned down right now because I'm also remote team viewered into machines in the studio. And I, I'm thinking about just pushing Ting to the limit and turning it up another notch. I don't even know what the software would do, but damn if it isn't tempting. Uh, so, you know, I'm going to do it. Go to linux.ting.com. One way this is going to work or another. So I would imagine this is going to disconnect Wes. And then reconnect. Okay, we'll so hang tight you here. finish up. Tell people you tell people go to linux.ting.com, and then there well, we can go over to the Ubuntu story. But I'm going to hit the button. I'm going to go up another notch. I don't know. In three, two, Ting, save me. See, we can't oh, do uh, it without that's it. Ting. Oh, really? wait, Was that's that all. It? That's it. Wow, I, it did it. I'm, wait, I'm. Oh, I bet you I have to refresh. I bet you it hasn't kicked in yet till I refresh. I'm still tempted to try it, Wes. I know. Right? All right, I mean, I'm going to hit refresh. Okay, you you do ready? That. Yes. Okay. Okay. Wish me luck. Here Good I go. Good luck. Thank you. I'm hitting it. Uh, oh okay well there we go now we know it was real it's all possible with ting head on over to linux.ting.com so you can be as impressed and satisfied and now we're happy to welcome mr chris fisher back to the linux unplugged program that is great that was a lot of fun oh that was great that that's like living on the edge talk about real time doing it live now we're now we're up a whole other notch. We're at 128 kilobits now. So I don't did you, did you start talking about the about the big exciting news uh, that no, will probably happen just a little bit time. after the show. Jump yeah, right okay. in. Okay, so so I, I may just take a back seat and actually let Simon jump here in a moment. But uh, as we record this, if things go as planned, going by the schedule here on the Ubuntu wiki, we should see beta one for 18.04. Uh, if not uh, tomorrow, probably the day after or somewhere around there, March 8th, and then the opt-in flavors as well. But, uh, but right before the show started, Simon started telling us about this, and I said, wait, wait, save it for the show. So, Simon, pick back up where you left off. What's sort of the uh, the story that you had to share with the 1804 beta release? So with the 1804 beta, um, we we just – this is something that we are sort of working on today actually and – um, I've been working with Dustin Kreisak, who's also here. Um, we were we were just sort of gauging interest because um, for the first two alphas of this release, it, it ended up being bad timing because we had the the Spectre and Meltdown stuff that went on, so they disabled all the all the Launchpad builders, so we can't we couldn't build anything. And then you know after that beta or alpha two, we we also had some other difficulties, and it this is the this is the first eighteen oh four milestone. Um, so you're gonna you're gonna see you know, a couple different things that you would usually see in like a, in like a daily build, like just today, for example, we landed a new, um, a new point release for cute. Um, that's something that I was working on specifically. Otherwise the flavors that I know of participating right now in this, um, are Lubuntu where we just, it's just general bug fix. Lubuntu next is also participating in this release, which, you know, it's Lubuntu next is going to see a, a huge overhaul of things with, you know, different applications coming in and different theming and that sort of thing. Then there's, you know, Ubuntu budgie, Zubuntu is participating, you know, all, all different sorts of flavors. Um, but this is really, this is really a, a, you know, a sort of a community release because the, the Ubuntu desktop, they, they don't participate in any milestone besides the final beta. So this is really good time. I think in my, 
opinion, to to go and see what's going on in each of the flavors because this is really the the, the first milestone of the you know the eighteen oh four release. So it's really like I said, it's a really good way to see what people have been working on thus far. Yeah. And I am tempted to do it. <laughs> you know, it's funny. 1804 is sort of like 1710, although not quite as strong because it's not the switch to know. But uh, I I have a lot of people in my, in my circle of friends and family that I take care of their computers. And they're all kind of due now. They, I, some of them weren't on 1604. Like Dylan, he's on um, – I think he's on Loki Elementary OS. Oh. And uh, – Hadia, I think, is on the last LTS. I can't right before sixteen oh four. I can't remember, but she's due for two of her machines to get replaced. Uh, and my dad has a system. I don't even know if he's using it anymore. That I got to contact him about. And like eighteen oh four is is going to be one that I, I think a lot of people in my circle are going to end up using that, yeah, I, I, that I maintain their computers for. People have been waiting, letting things bake. Uh, yeah, you're right. I think it will be kind of how 16 felt like a similar moment in some ways. You know, it, it, will, it will get wide deployment and suddenly everyone will be on the latest Ubuntu. Including probably West Payne, huh? Oh, yeah. Oh, do you, are, you, uh, are you sticking with the plasma? Including What's me. going? Oh, including JJ too. Yeah. What? Or what's your? What's the plasma status? I I so far have stuck with it. Yes, uh, I have been. I have been sticking with it as well. Um, it's it's been really smooth. I've, I think I got enough configuration down. I know a little bit more about how to tweak the things that I actually care about. Where I I think I could replicate that pretty quickly on a new install. I'm actually thinking about paving and doing that just to make sure that I'm right there. Um, and with that down, I feel a lot more comfortable with it. Before it was just that you know GNOME had had defaults that I really liked and worked really well for me. Now that I have that on KDE, it's great. I think the thing that's helped me set up the the Neon workstation was I did I did all 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 KDE Neon, so it's all the same distro. It right. wasn't a mix this time of Ubuntu and Arch, which is what I've done uh, in the past I, a lot. That could be more complicated. Um and I also just sat down once and the first time I launched Dolphin, I went through and changed all of the defaults I don't like. The first time uh, you know I log in I, I changed all of the like desktop environment settings that I don't like. And so I just each time just just said, okay, there's going to be a slight tax each each time, but then once I've done it once, it, they stay. I've gone, you know, I've gone now for weeks, and I haven't had settings revert, windows reopen where I want them. The console stays the same size I, I had it last that. time. I know it's, it's so, so simple, but great. it's so nice. And you know, you're sitting down there using AirMaster, um, and you haven't had to reboot it before. You could use it like we were having with Unity Seven, which means none of the you, you, when we do. Oh, oh, also, when you do have to reboot it, say for an update or something, it's better at remembering the display output options into the OBS capture. That setup. is such a tiny thing, but it's like killer for our use case. Yeah, yeah, it really is. It's one of those nice little things. So uh, hashtag uh, Rodden was right. Um, it was. It's it's a great professional desktop. And I think if a company came along, even a company like, uh, oh man, I really shouldn't go down this rabbit hole, but like a company like System76, like, you know what would make Pop, S, uh, Pop OS 10 times more compelling is if they were doing something that wasn't GNOME. Because uh, oh, really what, what people could do is, right, you could just go get their theme on GNOME, on, on stock Ubuntu and, and call it good. And then you're close to mainline, you're close to what you're running in production and you still have their design aesthetics. But if it was – if they were taking their design aesthetics and applying it to the Plasma desktop and really just sort of getting down those rough edges, uh, man, that would be – I would be a really, really compelling distro. And it would really stand out. You know, it would be something that's different. 
yeah, you don't, there's not a lot of that shipping and there might be a lot of value add they could have in just having it really well configured from the start. Now, what do you yeah. think, uh, Simon? We don't give enough love to uh, Kubuntu? Yeah, um, I think it's Ubuntu's going to have a, a nice release because you know the sixteen oh four really really wasn't that good of a release for Kubuntu. So eighteen oh four is going to be you know interesting because it's going to be the, the 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 latest LTS plasma on top of the latest LT or latest LTS cute, and it's going to be baked in with the LTS Ubuntu. So while you yeah. do have KDE yeah. on with them sunsetting the the user edition or the LTS edition. Um, it might be a good opportunity if you want to try Kubuntu, if you want a really rock-solid, stable KDE Plasma experience. Um, are we calling it sunsetting? Is that what we're calling it, of the LTS edition? Because it's still there. It's gone. It's going away. Like, okay. It's, it's so it's sunsetting. download, but it's, it's, it's going away. Like It's just like right now you can still use it. And the pack, the repos are still there, but they're they're focusing away from the LTS version of Neon because there's really no reason for it to be there. Uh, because the majority of the time they put their effort into the regular user, and that yeah. that was kind of like the original point of Neon in the first place. They just kind of made the LTS version because it made sense at the time. But now, like with Kubuntu providing an LTS solution on an LTS base with a like the solid LTS release of Plasma. There's really yeah. no need for it. Yeah. Okay. I uh, I can see that. Is going to have a lot of interesting updates uh, for the release of 1804 because I've participating in making those updates. And, oh, can you uh, get any teases, any hints of what we should look for? Well, I mean, just lo- if you want, if you just boot the Kubuntu 1804, you will notice a change immediately with the theming m- much different. So oh. I, like one of the things that I did not like about Plasma, like there's a, there's a few things that Plasma doesn't do good by default. I'm trying to fix those and Kubuntu are very receptive to those. So that's, that's really awesome. One of the biggest things that I'm cha- that I've convinced them to change is that the default like breeze theme is super bright and it's kind of awkward for like the panels and widgets and menus and stuff. So they've switched it so that you have a dark the dark theme breeze for the panels, the wind the menus and the widgets with a bright theme for the windows. So it's like a hybrid okay. approach. Nice. Ooh, well like good on you. Because I gotta tell you Yeah, I gotta tell you guys, I have light sensitivity in my eyes and that's why I wear glasses. So one of the reasons why, other than my stigmatism, and I gotta tell you, light themes just hurt the heck of my eyes so this is a good notice for me as well as um another thing i wanted to mention was xfc and especially zubuntu i've been waiting like hell for good xfc high dpi support so i'm thinking of until that happens to have um kubuntu installed and have this with my macbook because i gotta tell you i hate that XFC doesn't have good high DPI support right now. Yeah, and so yeah. I'm thinking and that's a ways out. To Kubuntu for this main. Yeah, so that's, that's a ways out. I'm switching to Kubuntu because mm-hmm. I know that I know that they have decent high DPI support. So I'm thinking of going to Kubuntu instead. Well, I'll tell you this, Ben: is if you try it out, you're not going to go back. Yeah. That's what's going to happen. You won't go back once you try it. Yeah, it's, that's it's what gonna... I'm thinking of doing. Yeah, it's downloading Kubuntu 1804 and just chucking that on there instead. Hey, yeah, yeah, you're going to like it. Um, oh, yeah, that's my plan. 
Yeah, people tweeted last week and or the week before and said, hey, how come you guys didn't talk about the Plasma update? It's just sort of now we're there. We're there, we're using it, and we're not switching. And it's stuck. And I really, really like it. Yeah, it is the new normal. Uh, So I'm going to transition from that, and uh, I'm going to mention why I'm on the road, just because people probably already know. But just in case, it's your last chance. Scale 16X, the uh, 16th annual Southern California Linux Expo. It's going on at the Pasadena Convention Center March 8th through the 11th, so it's starting in just a couple of days. I will be in the Pomona area Wednesday evening, and Wes, it's funny, when I get into California, because you know, I've got the live tracker going at the, at the JupiterBroadcast.com. I was going to ask, Rover. that's perfect, we can all creepily follow along. Well, people do, and I totally encourage it, it's great, because what happens is, as soon as I get into California, uh, it... It's New York, California, and Salt Lake City. When I'm in either one of those areas, it goes from like, uh, yeah, let's go out and get a let's go out and get a bite to eat. Yeah, that sounds cool. We'll meet up and get a bite to eat. And it goes from, well, okay, we got a big group, so we're gonna have to go do a meetup. Where can we go where we can fit like seven people? It's just way more people because everybody's so densely packed in here in New York and in California and apparently Salt Lake City, uh, and so. I, I may potentially be going out to dinner with five different listeners. That's tonight. incredible. <laughs> I know. After after driving like a madman, we uh, we got on the road before sunrise, before six a.m., and drove, 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 drove to get here, so that way we could sit and park somewhere and do the show. And uh, I've just been getting uh, telegrams and, and tweets. It's great. And uh, I've already got uh, listener Jeff on the way to meet up after we get off the air with Unplugged here at the RV. Oh wow! So do yeah, you think yeah. you're ready? I mean, does <clears throat> scale starts on on Thursday? Is that right? Pumped, yeah, I'm pumped. I'm pumped. I, I, I also heard from uh, listener Ryan, uh, tech guy, who uh, a couple of years ago uh, helped us out by letting us borrow his Cadillac when we got into Pomona because it's about 45 minutes between Pomona and Pasadena, which is Pasadena's where Scales at. And so Ryan's like, "Well, you're not planning to drive your RV in there, are you?" And we're like, "No." He's like, "I don't think you realize how expensive that's going to be on Uber. Why don't you borrow my car?" And we're like, okay, whoa, okay. And so he shows up, and it's a Cadillac, and uh, which I just have an affection for because uh, my grandparents always had Cadillacs, and so it's you know, it's pretty great. So Ryan reached out to me again this year and said, hey, you need another ride? I could I could meet you Thursday morning and bring you into scale. So uh, yeah. Ryan and I are going to be meeting back up again and riding the Cadillac into town and going to scale Thursday morning. I think Noah's going to arrive in town like Thursday evening. So I'll be there in the morning to get like the beginning, do the meet and greets with with folks and meet a few people, get some interviews lined up, all that kind of stuff. And uh, I don't know. It's just go. You know, this is they the scale. So scale was talking to us uh, and they're like, so do you do you want the booth? And we're like, nope, we don't want the booth. You don't want a booth? Nope. But how are you going to do a live show? We're like, well, uh, maybe you could give us a room somewhere that's quiet. Mm. What? We're like, yeah, that's that's how we want to do it this year. No booth. Totally different. We're just going to go enjoy ourselves and uh, try and really try to get a sense of where Linux is going in 2018 because you got a lot of good projects there, a lot of different industry representation. That's one of the reasons I'm taking all this effort to go to scales because it's like the biggest event in the states. Um, and so I wish it was Linux Fest Northwest, which, cause that's up there. That's a big one, but it's not as big a scale. And, um, in fact, the folks from Linux Fest Northwest usually go to scale to represent. And so I got to go to scale if I want to go to like the big, big community event, the big community and event. And you know, it's another, it's another side of the community. There's different people that can make it there. So I'm, I'm sure it's a lot of fun. 
Yeah, I am so, so, so looking forward to it. I'm, I'm trying to document bits of the journey, too, as we go down in Tech Talk today. I just published episode 264, Parking Lot Podcaster, uh, yesterday, and uh, kind of uh, captured the first bit of the trail and uh, the, the trek down here. TechTalk.today is where you can go to get that. And if you want to track me live as I'm making my way down to scale, uh, jupiterbroadcasting.com slash rover. That tracker is in the RV, not in, not on me. So people like people show up at the RV and they're like awkward about it and they're like hanging out around the RV and I'm not there. I'm not there. Uh, it's not on me. Like you can get to the RV by watching that, but you got to telegram me or tweet me to actually find where I'm at. But if it's during scale, it's oh, so you move around outside of of Lady Jupes? Turns out, that's turns crazy, out I leave Lady Jupes. Yeah, I know. People have asked me, "Well, could you just put the tracker in your pocket?" And I feel like that's the line where that's too far. That's too far. It's, it's like, no, it's installed in Lady Jupes. I've considered it. Uh, when we were in New York for a short period of time, we did remove it from Lady Jupes and we installed it into Dia's car. But yeah. <laughs> well, I I I love this app that you found, Wes. It's like a. It's like salvation for Slack users. Um, not that anybody ever uses Slack. Right? No, certainly nobody, not. I, no, would, I wouldn't. N- nobody on this show, nobody, nobody in the mumble room uses Slack, nobody in the IRC or Discord, nobody listening uh, ever uses yeah, it. We only use what mattered most. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and, and there, is, there is some. There is definitely some of that. I use Slack at work. Do you? Yeah. Is it, is it pretty entrenched into the workflow? Actually, yes, because we use it for most of our communication, just to, like when we're, especially my department, when we're away from each other or inter-campus, that kind of thing. Yeah, and I know, Wes, I know you use it uh, with the network, but you also have a day job uh, used for it, too. Like, so you're pretty heavy into Slack, just for, for work reasons, right? It, yep, definitely. It's on all my devices just for that. If not, also the network. You're absolutely right. So I... Um, I I I want to try to I want to try to find different ways to use Slack that uh, are quick and easy and low bandwidth and so I, that's why I love this app that you found Wes uh, Slack Term, which is a Slack client for your terminal and uh, it's a simple install away and you just down, download a binary for your system and run it. I think it's written in Go. Yeah, did you did you take a look? That, I think it's a Go app. Let's take a look here. It, and it's got a whole set of keyboard yep, it's uh, a Go commands. App. Yeah, yeah, it's written Go. So you get a nice binary. static binary you can run, yeah. And it really is, I mean, if you just look at the, the interface, it's pretty minimal. I like that it may not have all the features that you want, but if you just want to be able to re- reply quickly, not jump out of your terminal, this might be the thing for you. I love the idea of SSH sessions running with certain applications just omnipresent. I don't know. I do it rarely, and then I, I just, it all falls apart, and I stop using all of it, and then I build things back up over time, like torrent clients and uh, SSH and, or, I mean, um, IRC and, and things like that. And then I and then I sort of tear it all down, uh, depending on my use case. So, But like a this, team up really session liking, where you could, you could stick this yes. in there and just come back to it anytime yeah. you needed it. Or I've done X2Go as well, um, oh, which yeah. is also really nice, and just have it up in, a, in an X session. Uh, but anyways, this is this is sort of like a low bandwidth way to take care of Slack. But the the uh, the point I was getting at here is you can build a set of tools like this. Like I so what I what I had set up was an X to go session on a DigitalOcean droplet that was just always running. It's still running right now, which is great because I'm on a MiFi connection. So maybe something really big and intensive comes up. The MiFi connection is fast enough to do an X to go session. And that's that's secured over Ooh. SSH, 
right? And so then I'm working on a machine that's on a DigitalOcean droplet that has a 40 gigabit connection. DigitalOcean.com. Go over there and create your account and use our promo code DO Unplugged. And I, for a limited time, depends on engagement. There's a great deal. Uh, and Wes, do you have the paper there? There's a there's like a there's like a URL. It's like do.co slash unplugged i think Ooh, like a, let's take got a an look email at... somewhere on the somewhere on oh, the yeah. table there there's do.co slash unplugged okay now here's why i wanted to make sure he got that because it, that's the email where DigitalOcean is informing us that for a limit yeah it's great nice that sounds good wes it's a limited time hundred dollar credit for your DigitalOcean account if you're a new customer wow because uh honestly the ten dollar credit is uh more than enough because pretty, you could run the ten dollar yeah yeah. So $100 credit, that's insane. And the reason is, is because they've got new systems. They've got mix and match droplets where you can mix and match the different resources that you need for your application. They've really improved the competitive pricing on their standard droplets too. My, my Basically, all my rigs just got an upgrade. My three cents an hour rig is just unstoppable. You didn't now. do anything. Have, and now they have, now they're better. Yeah. And you were there when, weren't you there? We oh, were doing yeah. something for, we did it yeah. live. It was, it was, beautiful. yeah, we were doing something for TechSnap. We were doing an experiment. This is a great use case that we do for, with DigitalOcean all the time is Wes and I were about to talk about something on TechSnap and we had a question functionally about how it worked and we wanted to be able to speak from a position of experience. So we spun up a droplet. Uh, in this case, it was a droplet that I already had some of the tools installed on. So I upgraded the droplet, installed the applications I needed within seconds. And within 10 minutes total, we had run through different scenarios. We had tested the application, and we were able to incorporate that into our notes for the TechSnap program. And it's that kind of flexibility when you're trying something out, when you want to learn something, or when it's just time to build something and put it in production. There's all kinds of great uses for DigitalOcean. Go over there. They have great documentation. do.co slash unplugged. Simplicity at scale, an unbelievably easy-to-use interface. That's why companies like Slack and Tesla and Jupiter Broadcasting and many, many others and lots of open source projects use DigitalOcean. do.co slash unplugged and go check out their documentation as well. Thank you, DigitalOcean, for sponsoring the Unplugged program. So uh, let's talk about Java just for a moment because I don't know what the hell is going on here. Oracle has handed over Java Enterprise Edition to the Eclipse Foundation. And now that the Eclipse Foundation has taken over Java Enterprise... They're renaming it to Jakarta, and they're hmm. dropping the Java trademark stuff. Like, there's no Java trademarks now. They're calling the new Java Enterprise Jakarta, and it's under the guise of the Eclipse Foundation. Did all those words I just said make sense to you? I, I think so, at a high level. They barely did. Yeah. But it's, I'm still not clear. Is, is, will Oracle still be publishing their own version? Uh, will people start actually calling it Jakarta? What's actually happening here? So I think it is a handover. And uh, the thing that screwed me up is that Jakarta isn't a new name. Uh, the, the Apache Foundation used the name Jakarta, which was their open source Java efforts um, in the late 90s. Uh, till kind of like till, till recently, like till two, well, at least till 2011. Uh, so it's really, that was an Apache thing. So then this thing comes along and it's really confusing. But my understanding is, is that essentially it's a group of Java experts, including the Java creator, James Galsling, um, and, and others that wrote Oracle and said, hand it over to us. And they, they wrote a long list of reasons. And I, th- I think Oracle has complied. This is all news to me. 
and I barely, barely care. But it seems like we may have a new product on the market called Jakarta EE, which is Java, but now under the Eclipse Foundation. So that's my takeaway story from this. Is that thick or what? Yeah, I mean, of course it is. It's We're talking about Oracle here, and so there's obviously going to be a lot of <laughs> details that have to be argued over and then lawyers involved. Is, is there any chance somebody in the mumble room has a better breakdown of the story than perhaps could summon some bit of courage to actually care a bit more than I could. I just, no, nobody. Okay. Well, we'll get the well actually email and they'll, they'll set us straight. I'm sure they'll tell us. That's why we love you audience. Now, uh, Mr. Foray couldn't join us today and it's my bad because I believe he's in my neck of the woods right now. So I should have caught a hold of him and said, why don't you come over to Lady Juice? That would have been amazing. Yeah. I could have shared this uh, pineapple uh, cider with him which is a prickly pineapple, prickly pineapple, say that 10 times fast. And uh, he could have told us about Juno, which uh, they're now actually starting the hype machine on. And uh, they don't talk a lot about their future releases, but we're starting to see some updates. And there is a couple of things that jumped out at me. Number one, besides just an overall refinement to almost all aspects of the user interface and the photos app and the terminal, but they have a new nightlight function. Nightlight. Which you probably, yeah, you probably can guess what that is. Uh, it's a nightlight tab under the new display settings area that uh, there's a new function there. And you can set the temperature and the schedule. And then there's a really nice drop-down indicator where you can set there and adjust the shade from a drop-down indicator. They just really, I don't, know if you, I don't know if you've seen the screenshot of this, Wes, but they've really done a good job of taking a feature that I rely a lot on. Uh, this nightshade feature combined with dark user interfaces is sort of my trick to using my computer late at night. Sometimes I just don't sleep. And what happens is, don't tell her I said this, but I go to bed and I get a real good sleep going. You know what I mean? Like a solid One sleep. One of those, oh yeah. Mm-hmm, I'm out. And then, and then Hadia, like comes to bed or gets up and does something or the kids or the dog wakes me up like 20 minutes into this nice sleep and I never fall back asleep Uh. the rest of the night. And so what I have learned is after about an hour or so, maybe two hours, I just give up and I go work. You might as well get something done instead of restlessly sitting there. I'm cracking open that XPS 13 in the middle of the night. You know, sometimes it's like 2 a.m. or whatever uh, when I finally given up. And uh, if Redshift isn't kicked in just right or whatever, it's a blast of blue light that almost uh, guarantees I'll never go back to bed. And this functionality sometimes can be too much when I'm editing and I need to turn this down or turn it off. And so it's really just a slick implementation they've done. There's all kinds of things. I really like the work they've done with the terminal too. Um, it's those it's little those little tweaks release. that often I think set Elementary apart. Just in that you know, for, for you and I, it's not a problem. We can install any of the tools that exist to do similar things. But to just have it right in the OS that you've installed with that came on your computer, to have it be a first class in the UI and in the settings menu, that makes a big difference. I think, especially people coming from Mac or or other fancier platforms. Yeah, I almost wish I wasn't all in on Plasma now. Right? It's looking it's looking so good. It almost. But uh, the the plasma hype beast has me hard right now. There's just no way. You know, I once can't. it's once it's out, I won't blame you if you want to flirt around for a while. That's okay. You know, you know, what we need is somebody in the mumble room to be like a third party arbiter because you know Dan's going to say it's great if he shows up, uh, and I'm not trying it right now because I'm all in on plasma. So we need somebody from the mumble room to step up and be our elementary OS ambassador and try this out 
and and let us know how it's going and be like our 1804 on the scene reporter. It could Somebody's be you. Somebody's got to do that. It could be. So if you want to do that, let us know. Go to jupiterbroadcasting.com slash contact or hang out in our mumble room, mumble.jupitercolony.org for info on that and be part of the virtual log because it's going every every Tuesday. We do this show at – we try to start around – Somewhere in like the one thirty to 2 o'clock time range Pacific. And then we go until Noah's done with Ask Noah. So it's a, it's a good time a to hang out. A wonderful afternoon of Linux. Heck yeah. JupiterBroadcasting.com slash calendar for the lifetime for that. There you go. So if you want to see Daniel's post on that, they have a, a uh, update for the last couple of months. And it's looking really good. It's looking like they're really putting some serious work into that. You can go check that out. There's all, all of our links, jupiterbroadcasting.com. Go over there and then find uh, the episode. This is episode 239, and you'll have links to everything in there. I don't know, Mr. Wes. What do you think? Do you think – oh, oh you know what I was going to mention too is I'm going to try to uh, – well, you know what? I'll save it. Oh, I'll save it. I was oh say, I'm, I'm, you are I'm, a tease yeah, we'll today. Tease it. We'll tease it. We have this – let's actually, okay. Let's get into this. Uh, yeah, let's do this. So, uh, re- just really quickly, the, we earlier in the show, you know, we talked about Jeff Bezos's clock um, yes, and uh, Microsoft making a Hyper-V friendly version of Ubuntu. Also, Kali Linux coming in to the to the subsystem. There's. Uh, I went down to Microsoft. I had some. I had some interesting conversations with them. There, there, it's it's almost um, quaint now to just kind of like where's Microsoft doing with open source? <laughs> yeah. But there's something I actually want to I kind of want to talk about in this area, uh, and the topic that uh, Tech Republic ran with was what Microsoft understands about open source that your company doesn't, and um, it's an interesting post. So I want to talk about that for a moment. But before we do, let's thank Linux Academy, linuxacademy.com slash unplugged. Thank you, Linux Academy, for sponsoring the show. It's a platform for you guys to go to to learn more, to get more out of your career, to maybe advance it, or to just challenge yourself, whatever you think might help build the resume. It's a full-featured training library with everything you need to learn new skills, self-paced, in-depth video course on every cloud and DevOps topic, hands-on scenario-based labs that give you experience on real servers. And if you ever need help, they have full-time instructors that are there to advise and answer your questions. And they have Learning Paths, which are a series of courses and contents planned by instructors for specific career tracks. Are you ready to either switch track or go deeper? Really recommend that. And now a lot of you ask about certifications. And yes, they have courses created specifically to prepare you for certification exams. They also have practice exams and quizzes to prepare you. They have flashcards which use custom randomized decks of cards to help you study. They get forked by the community and made better all of the time. They have iOS and Android apps so you can study on the go. And they have a deep content library. Then they have staff that are adding to that and also going back and keeping it relevant all the time. So that way your subscription is always valuable. And if you're ready to learn AWS or OpenStack or even Azure, they have great courseware and all of that. They're really becoming the leader with all of that stuff linuxacademy.com slash unplugged. Go there and sign up for a free seven-day trial. linuxacademy.com slash unplugged. And a big thank you to Linux Academy for sponsoring the Unplugged program. So the sub-headline is, Microsoft understands that its future depends upon contributing to open source, not just using it. And your company needs the same strategy. And um, when I was talking with Jeffrey, the technology fellow at Microsoft from the Azure Group, right? Uh, he he talked about. Um, well, actually, let me reframe this. I told him 
The reason why it's hard for us to understand what Microsoft's overall strategy is is because from the outside, we just see these big code drops. Um, so .NET Core, boom, code dropped. Visual Studio Code, boom, core, you know, just code dropped. Um, and then, then all of a sudden, PowerShell Core, boom, code dropped. And it just looks like this um, sporadic, like, now we're doing this as open source because developers. And now we're doing this as open source because developers. Right. And it feels like it's an attempt to just take a, take a shotgun uh, uh, approach to solving a problem. Um, but what I realized, which is obvious, uh, if you have any kind of insight inside a company, what I realized is these are the manifestations of three or four year long processes. Like Joey, who was in some of our interviews a couple of weeks ago, uh, he was hired like four years ago to help specifically begin the snowball effect of this process, which involved training the team on using Git, which involved getting people on Mac and Linux, which got people that which which quite frankly involved firing people who weren't on board with the new program and were always Windows first. And it was this realignment that they have been doing internally uh, to not just make money off of open source, which is what they're doing, but the reason, but the way they're making money off open source is by trying to contribute to open source and get legitimate, get legitimate. Uh, I don't know if "standing" is the right word. So I'll give you an example of where I'm going with this. Um, they they talked at length internally about how the open source community would react to them open sourcing PowerShell and what they could do to sort of appease that reaction, to sort of address some of those concerns. And they specifically had to jump into action when the developer of Curl was one of the first people to submit a bug. And it was, hey, you've got to remove your alias of Curl so people can actually use real Curl. And like they then they have this big conversation. Trying like, okay, now we've got to make sure we're responding. This is what we're doing now. Let's get everybody in here. Uh, and... Um, it wasn't just uh, it wasn't just like um, it wasn't just like our PR department's doing this now. While our developers are working internally. It was the people actually touching the code had to get involved, and I, there was some sort of there was some sort of shift that they had, some sort of mind shift that they had, and and I wouldn't be surprised if it was perhaps just watching how Red Hat does it and figuring out how Red Hat's making money and going well. Geez, they're actually contributing code upstream. They're actually writing that stuff for their competitors to use and they're still making money on it and they're being taken serious and they're, they're considered legitimate. Well, maybe we should do that. So it's not like there wasn't somebody out there for them to look at, but they, but they actually got it. And so what we're seeing today is sometimes something that's been in the works for four or five years now that they're just getting around to dropping on us. Um, and so the key point that this Tech Republic article makes is if you actually want to be taken serious at like a platform level or at a tool level, you've, you've actually got to go all in. You it can't just be like the PR division or a part of it. And um, I kind of take some of this and I kind of direct some of this at Dell right now. Like Dell is pretty all in on Linux on the server side and on the Sputnik line. But, you know, they, I mean, it feels like they're, they're – there, there's more they could do. They do contribute source code upstream, but I feel like there's more that like there's further steps for Dell to take, and I yeah. don't know exactly what they would be. I next. mean, they but still will. Hap- they will definitely still quote unquote recommend Windows 10 for the laptop that they're trying to sell you. 
Yeah, yeah, and I, I guess, yeah, I guess that's understandable for business. It, it abso- no, it absolutely is, but it doesn't. You know, there's there's a lot of conflicting yeah. feelings. You're not quite sure, like, well, how how much how invested in this are you? So uh, you and I talk about a lot of on TechSnap a lot of tools that people can use to manage their server infrastructure and their crazy container sprawl and all that stuff. And can you think of any of those tools that are really serious? Like, what are the big ones in that space that are completely commercial? Where they don't have like a like half the tools open source. Like what like is Ansible all open source? What's the you know it, the Ansible Tower component didn't used to be, but it is now. Um, it really has been the trend. There still are you know some like enterprise focused proprietary systems for yeah. for monitoring and configuration management, but they're mm-hmm. definitely not the things that you end up seeing at big tech companies or a lot of startups or you know maybe if you've been paying for them for twenty years and it's part of your workflow, sure, but it's not it's not where the momentum is. The only thing I could think yeah. of that's server based is web server cPanel. Yep, yeah, yeah. I was thinking cPanel is definitely something that's more consumer facing, but yeah. Is cPanel still strong though? Is it used much? Yeah, it's one of the top ones. Still, huh? Ugh. What that a nightmare. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Wes, when's the last time you've used cPanel or Plask? Thankfully, quite some time. But I definitely have friends, yeah. you know, or people in unfortunate situations. And you're right. They're still, they're definitely still out there. Yeah. Yeah. It seems, though, like if you want to be like a legitimate platform player, you have to open source. I mean, look at Apple with Swift. You had to open source Swift to be taken seriously anymore. I think it's a pretty big statement right there. And uh, Apple is, ex- is an example of a company who's like half in with open source. They obviously use a lot of it, a lot of the BSD tools, cups. Uh, a lot of that stuff is open source in the development chain. Uh, even Darwin itself is open source, but it feels like that's more of an open source out of convenience where it, there is a different type of commitment level to open source coming out of Microsoft now. Um, and uh, you can... You know, you can be listening to this and be skeptical and say, oh, Chris has bought into the Kool-Aid. But I went down there and I talked to the people and they they said the things that you say when you're legitimately trying hard uh, and you're a large company. And um, I, I think that that formula that they've cracked is going to be one that other companies are either going to have to try to try to copy or they're going to be just perceived as disingenuous. Yeah, I mean, it's like a legitimate. It feels yeah. like almost like um, you ha- you must have to assess it from the, that perspective in terms of open source is just what you have to do now. So even if you don't trust Microsoft, still don't like Microsoft, whatever, they're smart enough, savvy enough. At least it appears that even if they didn't genuinely believe these things, they're willing to do so just in their own interest. You know what's going to be you know what's going to be weird is to see uh, where Google goes in the next few years with open source because they've got Project Fuchsia. Um, they've got Android One, yeah. that's a, a little bit different of a thing. And there's also today, there is news that Google has unveiled a 72 qubit Bristol Cone processor, which they say brings them to quantum supremacy in the quantum computing race. Now it's not like uh, we're not talking like they're cracking Bitcoin uh, crypto codes yet, but. That is going to be a really interesting thing to see where this all goes with Google and where where they still continue to contribute to open source and where they become more Apple to try to stay competitive with Android. You know, you know it's, that it's line that they walk very much so. And it's funny you mentioned that because just the, just the other week too, Microsoft released their quantum development kit, including support for Linux. So it's they're all they're all playing in these spaces. I think it, it will matter. Like 
How genuine do they believe it? Is it a Google style kind of, it is open source, but all the good stuff gets put proprietary or will it really be first class open source? That seems to be the way it's going too. It's like these big centralized, obviously because of just the cooling requirements and all this crazy stuff when they build these quantum computers. IBM's doing that too. Did you see that? There, there's like some IBM center down in Texas. If you're a local, you can go use IBM's quantum computer. Yeah, and then they have an API you can use over the web as well. <laughs> really? Yep. Oh, my gosh. Well, there you go, Wes. Maybe we could encode some podcasts on there. Let's give it a show. <laughs> I don't think so. No, I don't think so. No, I don't, I don't think so. Uh, all right. If you want to contribute something to the show, go to linuxunplugged.reddit.com. That is our subreddit, linuxunplugged.reddit.com. Yes, we have a subreddit. We don't mention it very often. But it's over there. Subreddit, I, I'm not big on Reddit these days. So uh, I just shut down our Jupiter Broadcasting subreddit. Because I was in there and I was like, this is a fuck. And this is, I shouldn't swear, but this is a dumpster fire is what my thoughts were. Uh, and uh, But the Unplugged subreddit still seems to be chugging along just fine. And uh, there is a post in there that was submitted an hour ago by Mr. Motang about Skype bragging that uh, their maintenance updates... It could be easier because of snaps. Now, there is I, – I think there's also the possibility that uh, there, we could see more things coming down this channel. I, I, can't, I don't know how much I can say. Yeah. I don't think I can actually say what I know. But do you remember – It does seem like it? there's some momentum behind the scenes that, that we aren't – I don't get to be privileged to, but just quiet releases of things. That's, that's got to be building. Well, see, here's like I'll tell you. There's a there's a, there's a capability when you when you have a confined application and you ship with its own libraries. If it's using if the application is typically doing something wrong, there might be a there might be a way via packaging to solve it. So, say you had an application like Skype that was broken into two pieces. You had an Electron version of Skype, and then inside Skype, you still had like a C plus application to do like all of the voice calls. That actually was the voice engine. Let's say this is theoretically sure. right. how okay. new yeah. Skype is set up. Well, new Skype uses Electron Wrapper for like the chat and all of that. And of course, because it's new Skype, that's using Pulse Audio. But Core Skype that's like embedded in that Electron app that's doing all of the management for the voice calls, that's still using Alsa. Fun. Okay. I totally yeah, believe that yeah. that would happen in this theoretical could, Linux universe. Exactly. And it's possible that perhaps one is communicating at Alsa with, with one rate and it's communicating, and then the, the Electron app's communicating to Pulsa with a completely different rate. You see what I'm saying? I can't, so I mean, possible. I don't. I, I certainly can't hear what you're saying, because that sounds like an audio clusterfuck. Sorry, talking, yeah, that about, uh, are you talking about sample rate, or... Uh, yeah, rate? yeah, we might be, we might be, we might be talking about sample rate, not bit rate, that might be what we're talking about. Maybe talking like 44 hertz versus 48 hertz, you know what I'm saying? That, that kind of thing, like, perhaps the Electron app is at 44 hertz, and perhaps the C++, or the C++ app's at, uh, at 48. You, saw, you know, who knows, I'm just spitballing here, and via packaging, you might be able to have some libraries in there that solve this problem, and fix this problem for the vendor that doesn't require them doing a complete rewrite of their application. And so that vendor may be very excited about the packaging format because of the possibilities of solving problems for them on the Linux platform. That could be potentially what we're dealing with here, but I don't know. I'm just speculating. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, I, I, can, see a, I can see a sample rate mismatch, but not so much a bit rate mismatch because that would just make uh, compression sound weird. Uh, a sample rate mismatch would actually speed up or slow down the audio. 
Yeah, yeah. Hadia just got back from uh, from the capital with Levi. <gasps> Levi, welcome in, little buddy. Yeah, Levi is now here. He's here. Come here, Levi. Come here. Come say hi to the Unplugged program. Come here. Come up here. Come here. Come here. So, ah. yeah, he's nice and warm. Here, lick the microphone for me. There you go. Yeah, he likes to sit. In, he likes to sit up here and look out the window. But uh, how was that? Was that good? Yeah. Is it warm? Yeah, it looks pretty warm out there. I'm getting pretty warm in here. Did you just turn on the air? Oh, okay, nice. Yeah, all right. Well, so, uh, Mr. West, I have just a couple of parting bits to talk oh, about okay, before we yeah, get out of here. Let us in on your secrets. Do you have, do you have uh, any secrets you want to share with the people? Maybe like a Twitter place they could check out something oh, you like can that? Find me over at, uh, at Wes Payne. Very good. You can follow me at Chris LAS. And why not check out the Instagram? I'll post a few pictures. Yes, I said it. Do it. Instagram. Yeah, I'm Insta Chris LAS. As long as there's Levi pictures, I will be there. You know what? I'll make sure I put a Levi picture up there just for you. Oh, thank okay. You. Just for you. I'm Insta Chris Lass on there. I'll be posting some pictures on the road to scale. Tech Talk today for the story as we get to scale. And if you're in the uh, Pasadena area, let me know at Chris LES on the Twitter or on the Telegrams. I'd love to talk to you guys. And jupiterbroadcasting.com slash calendar for our live time. Thanks so much for joining us on this week's episode of Unplugged. And we'll see you right back here next week. Right. Well, now we've got to pick a title. Let's and then get we're out of here. Titles on everyone. Noah, Noah may be stopping in in a little bit too. Noah, that dog. I know, right? I know. Boomjbtitles.com. Go get your vote heard right now. The Shabby only election titles. that matters. Shabby titles. I shall be back after getting the kid. We'll just say we'll just put quantum in there a whole bunch. That's probably what we want. We were. You know, we, uh, we have uh, – it's funny how – you notice how, like, the mumble room attendance is pretty decent today. But yeah. it could be double this some weeks, you know, and it just sort of ebbs and flows. It really does. We should get some graphs on that. Way, that would be really on interesting. Twitter, on Twitter, check out the uh, trends in the U.S. Red Player One is trending, and it seems to be all retro um, movie titles and or – uh, retro characters being um, being uh, subbed in with uh, Ready Player One. Oh, really? Is Re- when's Ready Player One coming out? I'm ready. My body is ready. My booty is ready. All right, Wes. I'm going to go find a Levi picture for you right now. Oh, this wow, is a priority. What a How about uh, we, we call? Here's one that we call Lo- uh, Levi the Copai. Levi the Copai. He's so cute. Now he's been to California. Look at that. Uh, he may have before because uh, oh, right. you know he's from. You just Texas. can't say. We had uh, we parked somewhere where the uh, people ne- parked next to us. They had a rescue dog from Texas too. Nice. Did they get along well? Yeah. They did. He, you know, you know Levi. Yeah, you know. He Levi. just wants to be everyone's friend. Yeah, there ain't nobody Levi don't get along with. Know what I mean? Yeah, right. And if so, I don't trust that person. They have clearly done something wrong. It will release on the 29th of March. Oh, man, that's that's forever. That is forever, dude. Eh, could be worth the wait. Plus, it, I think uh, Spielberg is directing. There you go, Wes. Just for you. Posted Levi the co-pilot. Oh. Boom.
Um, <clears throat> all right, so we got to name this thing. This is gonna be a this is gonna be a weird post show. Yeah, this is a weird post show, but that's just what happens sometimes, you know. Yeah, it is. It is. It's a weird week because it's uh, it's a low mumble attendance. It's kind of a light news week, and uh, everyone's too excited I, about scale. How are you gonna? And yeah, yeah, and also this is put kind of put together at the last minute because you know road trip. Well, you're not mm. supposed to reveal that part. Mm, okay, all right. Scaling unplugged, remote access unplugged, unplugged on the road, uh, unplugged road show. Um, what about uh, what about uh, what about Jeff's clock or something like that? Or cleaning cleaning Jeff's clock. Oh, cleaning Jeff's clock, huh? Uh, Millennium Microsoft Linux. strategy. Microsoft strategy. Microsoft strategy. Because it was too a, that bad. Was, and it has we have we had two stories at least. Uh, the Microsoft, uh, the Microsoft Millennium, the Microsoft, uh, oh, Microsoft Millennium. The, uh, let's see, what, see, really what you got here is, you know, oh, you know where I was going to go with, you know what I forgot to, you know what I forgot to put in the, in there was where I was going to go is both Microsoft and Amazon are really powerfully positioned to, uh, just dominate for a couple of years and, uh, Amazon more so, I think, and, I, I wanted to kind of work that into the segment because I, that's kind of where this is headed. It just it didn't work. There's too much going on. I don't know. It didn't, we didn't get there. But uh, that's where this is all going is Amazon is going to become like the titan of our industry because look at – they already run the internet with EC2. Um, they're going to they're gonna turn our own homes into stores with Ring Video Doorbell and the Echo devices and the security products they're about to launch and then home delivery of prescriptions. They're going to just own our home completely. Our, our own – with the Echo tubes and dash buttons and all these other things, they just turn your – they don't need a store because your house is the store. Um, and then they have Amazon.com and uh, then they're going to have their media section with the Prime stuff, the Prime Video stuff. And uh, they're opening up another headquarters. So do you feel like a little pawn being bounced back and forth between, like, three big tech companies kind of deciding what your life is like? Also, did you guys mention about the uh, gaming uh, service that they just bought? No. 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 Gaming game streaming service. The f- so the future is theirs. The future is micro. So like, what can we, what can we, where can we go for a title from this? Microsoft's Millennium, um, the next Microsoft Millennium, mm. uh, the next Microsoft Decade. Yeah, I don't know about you guys, but I'm not allowing in any Amazon Echoes into my uh, uh, residence. Next Microsoft, it's kind of long. And I don't know, you, people bet. just think it's about Microsoft. Yeah, I think. right. Um, the future people is open source. Of- no. Uh, hmm, that's closer. That's not bad. It's not great. It's kind of generic, open but that's probably more the in the direction. Um, open source millennium. By the way, can we check the IRC uh, Discord poll? You oh yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. It is. It's, it's in the it's in the show notes from two weeks ago. If you want to check it while we while we tile it up. Uh, there you go, Levi the co-pilot. Picture posted just for us. Boom. Yep. Look at that. Ow. It's beautiful. Mm. Got it up Isn't here he on the stream. Dog? Isn't he a dog? Oh yeah, that is a dog. Mm. He looks kind of sleepy. Yeah, he he does get very sleepy. 
You're on the road a long day traveling. It takes it out of a little pup. It does. Poor little guy. Oh, gosh, he's so cute with his little sweater, too. He probably hardly needs it in your warm California air. Yeah, it's off now. That was earlier this morning when it was up in the 20s. Okay, so what else do we got here? Anything new? Unplugged on the road. I've been unplugged everywhere. Hashtag rotten was right. Uh, That's great. Um, Plasma millennium. Well, we only really talked about plasma just as the check-in. Let's see here. Okay, looks like IRC is winning over Discord with 77%. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that doesn't surprise me. I think 77 is down from 79 from last check, correct? Oh, it is, huh? Well, there you go. Uh, Morty, just use an external USB sound card. Don't use the sound card built into your laptop. Yeah. uh, For his. So, okay. um, Something about Jakarta? Um... No. <laughs> selling 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 out for open source. Oh. That's kind of that's actually not bad. Yeah. It's kind of it's like kind of nuanced. There could be multiple interpretations. It's got open source in there. Doesn't say Microsoft, but it's obviously what we're talking about. Huh. I kind of like it. I like it. You're making me like it. You're making me like it, Wes. I could, I could live with that. All right. Okay. Maybe we'll do that. Are that Mm. selling out? I mean, well, who are we talking about? We may not be. Yeah. We may be talking about um, Apple. I don't know. Oracle. Yeah, that's that's who we're talking about. (laughs) (laughs) I like that. Yeah. I don't know. It's, I, dumpster fire. If I had, if I had, if I had better connections at Microsoft and more time, I would be tempted to go to Build this year and see how much they're talking about open source at Build. That because that's their big developer yeah. conference. Yeah. Speaking of Microsoft connections, did you get a contact with anybody uh, significant yet? Um. Well, what do you mean? Because I sent your email over to the contact I have uh, at uh, who's a co-host of Twite, who's from who's a Microsoft a development head of the Graph. Oh, Lou, uh, no, yeah, but I've been talking no. to other people. Yeah, yeah, I've been talking to other people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, Lou would yeah. be a good perspective to have on uh, on the show with regards to the Microsoft Graph. So, and he runs uh, Linux on occasion. <sighs> How dare he! How dare he? Now That's he's insane. been outed. Well, I mean, That's... it is open now with Satya Nadella. No, we're just teasing. We're just teasing. <laughs> Sorry, I sometimes see the... I don't get that sense of humor. Oh, there he is. There he is, the moment I we've all it. been waiting yeah. for. Yeah. Welcome. So, hallelujah. hallelujah. Hi there, guys. You sound hey, better Noah. today. Hooray! Does I, did I sound bad before? I don't know how to Ouch. do that exactly. There, there was a there was a week ago or something. There was that one live stream where your audio was just oh, yeah. garbage. Oh, yeah. and then, we had to. And then, we had to we, yeah, we had to ruin. The, we had to bail on the pre on the post show because it was so bad. Yeah. It was. Yeah, last, was, it was last week. Yeah, that was. Yeah. We should, well, 
No, that was I, to be fair. That was not that was my studio audio. I was I was on my like <laughs> laptop or something. Like not that. my fault. It's not my fault. I, l- I love you. Yeah, now. I wouldn't go that far. It was my fault. It just you know you know. So you're at, you're in your regular old uh, Grand Forks uh, yeah. studio, nice. you know, just old boring studio that's been custom built for you, just old <laughs> boring. Well, actually, so I I don't know how I know you get excited more on the studio side of things than the transmitter side, but we got a new transmitter, and uh, this it's a transmitter made for Chris, Chris. Because, oh yeah, uh, yeah. The whole thing is a web UI, so you log in. And uh, you can set the power, and you can turn it on and off. It's got it, it's got so many bells and whistles on the stupid thing. I get emails from my transmitter now telling me your audio is a little bit low, and it's not modulating quite as much, and it's not quite as loud as the as this station that I'm listening to. And so you might want it's crazy. Ooh, it's like like what do you mean? What do you mean like it like the software emails you like it's not a human. No, yeah, it's it's actually it's a little ARM computer that's inside of that process. It's inside of that transmitter, and uh, it monitors. <laughs> For a bunch of different things, and like even even like when I show you the interface, even though you're not much of a you're you're not like I don't I don't think you at least I don't think you get going over like the uh, the RF side. You'd look at it and be like, man, that is cool. I don't even know what that is, but I want to play with it. Oh, that's a <laughs> yeah, that's a yeah, strong selling that. point. Yeah, I could see that. I could totally see that. So what's coming up on the show today? Oh, we are doing some we are doing some really exciting things. We are talking today about all of the tools. And software packages and stuff that people self-host on their home servers, on their business servers, and how those tools work, what the best ones are, what are ones that you might want to stay away from. And uh, if you don't want to host them yourself, what are some of the alternatives you can go to to, to get some to, to, to just pay somebody to host Ooh, that stuff? Nice. Or is there a managed provider that provides that? Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I've been wanting to do a home server hoedown on the Unplug yeah. program for a few weeks. That's, that's, I think I love, I love that topic. Something, yeah, you know, you can self-host ex- or not. It's exploding in the industry, which is why it's so interesting to me. Whoa, really? Really? Yeah, I, 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 was, know so I was, I, you know, I get monthly sales reports uh, of where we make the most amount of our money. And this month, the, o- the one thing that I can say has... That brought in the most money. If I was to categorize something, it is maintenance, support, or installation of self-hosted services. Huh. <laughs> good. I know. I know. Good. That's also good long-term too for you. Yeah. Yeah. It really is. Yeah. Because you know there there are some trends in the IT industry that mm-hmm. they got mm-hmm. me worried sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm glad to hear it. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, now, uh, what else? Uh, come on. What else? We Get us excited here. here. This is your, this well, your space. Give us a tease. Oh, well. Uh, here's the thing. I, I can only go so far with but before I have oh, to Oh, you don't want to reveal. TV and, uh-huh. and, and, okay. and tune in. But I'll, I'll, give you, I'll give you a little bit of a tease. So uh, have, you, have you played with C-File yet? Is, am I, is that, maybe that, that has to be a thing. You got me close. You've, you've got me close. Yeah, we should do a little demo during Linux Fest. I think the best way to sell you on CFA, I think the way to do it, if, knowing what I know about you, I, I feel like, I, I, so first I think I should make the disclaimer, like, I'm going to manipulate you. I think that's how I excuse myself from the manipulation that we <laughs> talked about. If I tell you, then you can't be like, oh, he's, no, I'm, I'm just being up front. Yeah. All right. Well, that's, that'll, be our, that'll, be our, that'll be our system. <laughs> I, 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 I think the way to do it is to just offer it to you as, as if it is a hosted thing that you could just go oh. sign up for. You know, oh, 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 I see. Because you think that's what it takes for you. Yeah, okay, here we go. A service uh-huh. to get him. Home. Yeah, go ahead now. Now, now say like what? the thing that's going to trigger me. So, 
doing? No, I, I think. I, well, really, what I thought I think it is is if I were to put words to it, I think the words are: Chris wants all the benefits of self-hosted stuff, but he doesn't necessarily have the time or, or the or the or the luxury of being able to have to figure that out unless it's something that he relies on. So I feel yeah, like I'm mean, supposed to. Like if you were gonna if you're gonna go all in and like base your business off of it, no doubt you'd host it yourself. But I feel like for just like I'm gonna try this, not really sure. Feel like the way yeah. to do that is to say, here's a given instance, go play with it, see what you think, and then if it works, then you say, okay, now how do I move this on for myself? I'm looking forward to that. I'm definitely willing to try it because honestly, I, I you've really kind of sold me on it. I, that what was it two weeks ago? You did an episode on it. Or I can't remember three weeks now, and you yeah, were talking well, about it when. We, well, yeah, and you okay. were talking about we were in person too, and so that really kind of got me. That really kind of got me sold. All right, I'll give it a go. I'll give it a go. You know, I'm not married to Dropbox. I just I think it's done yeah. pretty well, but it's expensive, and uh, you know, I would imagine things are going to be changing there now that they filed for an IPO. Right. So. Yeah, and I, I well, the look. other thing is too is when I look at the uh, when I look at the cost and I start saying, man, the amount of flexibility that you would have with this software thing over here. And the amount of flexibility that you have that I know exists with Dropbox, and I'm like, I'm looking at some of the stuff, and I'm like, man, from a production standpoint, for what you have to do with file syncing, it's just, I don't know, it's pretty hmm. amazing. Well, isn't isn't the limitation of self-hosting services? And don't 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 get me wrong, I love the idea as sort of a hacker hacker mindset, but uh, isn't the limitation if you need to access that from outside the uh, your, your 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 network, you're limited by your upload speed connection. Yeah, of course. But we have ways we've uh, partnered up with uh, some with uh, some managed hosted providers that I can we can get servers now for twenty five bucks, two terabyte, four terabyte storage arrays, uh, you know, eight gigs of RAM and uh, and and dedicated Xeons for twenty five bucks a month. Like when you start getting to there and you can start putting those servers all over the U.S. and then you start hooking them together so that one talks to the other and so that your data starts to basically set up your own little mini CDN. You start getting to that point, and all of a sudden it's like, man, how is Dropbox going to compete with this? 